I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey, everybody. Well, well, well. Don't you look good? Oh, yeah. I'm assuming, but I'm probably right. We know that you look good. <laughs> Come on. What are we talking about here? It's you. It's you. Great. It's working. It's by the way, whatever you're doing, it's working. Welcome back. Yeah. Ridiculous romance. The show where we uh, talk about stuff. That's it. Sold it. Very specific show (laughs) about stuff. (laughs) Uh, This is exciting. We are, as you're listening to this, out of town. That's true. We're on an adventure out wow. west. Uh, really excited about it. We're with, uh, if you're a regular listener, we're traveling with our friends Cherry and Jason, who mm-hmm. came out for our Pandemic Love Stories episode, right. largely because they never got a honeymoon because they right. had to get married in 2020. Mm-hmm. And so they're meeting us out in Las Vegas. We're going to have a good time there. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go to L.A., yep. spend a couple days there, um, and then head home. So Celebrate love and friendship and some spending money that yeah. we used to have, but it's gone now. Well, and some <laughs> great discount comped rooms, all kinds of deals. Y'all want to know how to do Vegas on the cheap? Give me a call because I just found <laughs> some really exciting stuff. <laughs> Eli has <laughs> unlocked Vegas. Yes. I got a little too sucked into the points game and uh, it's, it's not uh, it's not too hard. Hey, yeah. I was like, Ugh, weird. At first. Mm-hmm. But then, you know what? I am going to bask in all the rewards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. I'm telling you, it's, it's not bad. Um, but so that's super exciting. So we decided while we're gone, mm-hmm. we'd give you a big fat episode, yeah. big fat two-parter epic romance with action and adventure. This, yeah. this is so cool. I'm very wow. excited about this. Extremely excited about this yeah. one because we're covering Julie Daubigny. Or, as she's also known, La Maupin. La Maupin. Um, This was suggested through email um, by our listener, Andrea Johnson. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Andrea. a great suggestion. Yeah. Because Julie Daubigny was a 17th century badass Uh who quite possibly has one of the most interesting love lives that we've ever covered, which is... Bold statement. Bold (laughs) statement. Uh, She dueled over 10 men. She played pranks on nobility. She seduced men and women alike. All right. She once even set a convent on fire so she could run off with her forbidden lesbian lover. (laughs) Amazing. I mean, 
<laughs> incredible. Her legend is just so insane that historians are still struggling with what's true and what's not right. true. Because <laughs> she was larger than life, even in her own time. So people were just like, I don't know. Say she did something. Everyone will believe you. Seriously. <laughs> and we had to split her life into two exciting parts. Yeah. So let's hear all about the bisexual, cross-dressing, sword fighter and opera singer, La Maupère. All right, let's go. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. So Julie Dubigny was born probably in 1670 or 1673. They got to get better at those birthdays. I know some well, you know, you got to record it in the family Bible or whatever. I guess if you didn't get around to it, if you didn't have printed calendars, how do you even know what year it is half the time? (laughs) They're like, I don't know. Like, I know I traveled across the country to for a potato farm. (laughs) <laughs> Sometime around 1655. And I want to say it's been eight years since the how many winters did that there was the one where my wagon broke. That was one year. And then there was the year where my horse ran away. <laughs> and then, you know, and his wife's like, that was the same year. Uh-huh. Like, oh, shit, you're right. It was. Well, my memory is shit. What a year, you know, <laughs> terrible tragedies. I do love that you have to be like, I was born circa 1670. Yeah. <laughs> Roundabouts. No one gave me a certificate. <laughs> Her dad's name was Gaston, oh. classic French name, and he was the secretary for Count d'Armagnac, who was the king's master of horse. So kind of a big job, big yeah. guy in, in the world swaggering around. Yeah, I did, not just anybody watches all the king's horses. They're in charge of putting eggs back together. <laughs> That's a big That's job. a delicate job. Delicate yeah. job. So Julie grew up first in the Tuileries Palace and then at Versailles. Um, so around a lot of... Mirrors. Mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> around a lot of uh, opulence, I yes. would say. I yes. would say. And a lot of men. She grew up in a very masculine... Okay. Uh, if she's grown up in the stables with around all the noblemen and all yeah. the horses and you know, yeah. all that stuff. Her Grooms. days were full of like stinking, dirt-covered mm-hmm. stable hands. Right. And then like silk pillows and, <laughs> you know, those masculine folks on the inside which were all covered, doused in perfume yeah. Oh, yeah. and full makeup. Dresses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lace cuffs. Uh-huh. The two types of men, <laughs> you know. Are you dirty or clean? <laughs> those are the two types of men. Now, her dad guessed on was a gambler. He was a big drinker. He was a big ladies' man. A lot of vices going on with this mm-hmm. guy. How many eggs did he eat <laughs> in the morning? According to the song, <laughs> it was four to five dozen eggs. Wow. Now, they do say in the same song that eggs are very expensive. Oh, yeah. I guess Earlier it's in the movie, two yeah. different people. They're talking about two different things. Yeah. Well, but Gaston still. could... See? Subtext in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Gaston was able to afford dozens of eggs while this poor woman with several children I know. was like i need six eggs and you know, the that's too expensive <laughs> i can't so, do it damn wow another layer to oh, gaston's Gaston. cruelty <laughs> share the egg wealth didn't recognize his own privilege <laughs> not at all <laughs> oh this gaston uh not the animated one but the real one um, was also an accomplished swordsman, and he trained all of the Count's pages cool. in sword fighting and numerous other skills. And he chose to include his daughter in these lessons, kind of like a French Arya Stark. Cool. She was like, listen, Dad, I don't want to wear these dresses and be groomed to be a princess or something. I like to mess around in the hay uh-huh. in more ways than one. Uh-oh. You know what I'm saying? Um, so she learned grammar, literature, writing, drawing, dancing, Etc. So she was like better educated than many women of her time. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time she was 12, she was also fencing because, again, her dad's accomplished swordsman. He's sure. like, you need to know how to you need to know your way around yeah. this thing. Um, and she frequently dressed as a boy uh, for this because, you know, girls dresses, not a lot of mobility. Oh, you need, sure. You need some freedom of movement yeah. in order to fence. <laughs> so it wasn't <laughs> so necessarily it wasn't necessarily a disguise. It was no, more for no, practicality. It was more for practicality. Makes I sense. think everyone knew she was a girl. She okay. was just like, I'm going to wear these men's clothes. It makes more sense. Yeah. 
Now, Encyclopedia.com says it was not very unusual at the time for women to learn how to use a sword, Mm -hmm. even though King Louis kept being like, y'all quit it. (laughs) He would issue order after order. Stop it out there. Get over it. It was punishable by being stripped of your titles or army commissions. You could be imprisoned or exiled or even executed. What? But it didn't matter. People were obsessed with duels. At this time, a duel solved any problem, (laughs) any dispute. (laughs) They wanted to draw a sword about it. I need six eggs. Well, then I challenge you to a duel. (laughs) I will take your eggs. (laughs) Now, Uh, can I ask what which Louis was this? The Sun King. Ah, Louis XIV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Roi de Soleil. That's right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, in Paris, there were an estimated ten thousand professional duelists, like. (laughs) <laughs> living in the wealthy quarters of Paris alone. Wait so, a minute. you know, all over France, it was just a big thing to know how to use a sword <laughs> and kill your man. <laughs> when you say professional duelist, I think one of two things. Mm-hmm. Either I'll I ch- I challenge you to a duel. Now, I just need to go hire someone Let to me duel get for someone me. Someone who is better than me. <laughs> or someone being like, I never took a real job. I just go duel people for money all the time. Basically. Wow. I wonder if it was like kind of the process server of their time like they would show up and be like would you fight me and they go mm, no <laughs> okay oh, wow. fight is over <laughs> I but win. i doubt it i think you're right more more accurately it's probably some guy or some girl is like i feel insulted by you but i can't fight you so i'll get someone right. to stand in you mm-hmm. know by proxy mm-hmm. a cell sword oh you would be sorry you ever challenged me uh, monsieur, uh, garçon, <laughs> over here, please. I need a duelist. <laughs> I need a duelist. Like, actually, I would definitely fight you. No, <laughs> yeah. I can't fight that guy. Uh-huh. So, yeah, women did learn how to use swords on occasion at this time because it was just such a, it's so in vogue, you know, right. so in fashion to know how to do that. But Encyclopedia.com writes, quote, the most uncommon thing about Julie as a duelist was that apparently she fought only men oh. and on an equal footing. Mm. So they were like, uh-oh, she's too good. <laughs> she can fight anyone she wants. Uh-huh. Now, as Julie grew up, she became extremely beautiful. Encyclopedia.com describes her, quote, she had large blue eyes, an aquiline nose, a pretty mouth, excellent white teeth, Ooh. very white skin, and a luxuriant crown of chestnut hair with shades of blonde. Probably around five foot three, she was slender, small-breasted, and lithe. No less striking was her personality, which has been described as brave, fiery, generous, ardent, impetuous, and seductive. Wow. This is a firecracker. Anybody catch the problematic description in this in this measure of her beauty? Because I'm going to say, oh, yeah, sure. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, very white skin. Well, that makes her (laughs) extra pretty. Come on, guys. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Especially at the time, though, that was the time where it was like, if you got tan, it meant you worked outside. Oh, Oh, yeah, sure. So you you had to be like translucent. (laughs) Yes, I (laughs) know. Because it proved how rich you were. Oh, those French folks. Just white, just powder. More powder. More powder. And they loved patches, too, which is so funny because you look at the drawings now Uh and there's just little moles all over their faces. And they had fake little patches they would put on to to achieve that. And Uh some of them were even like heart-shaped or star-shaped or something like that. Amazing. But I think it's funny because it kind of looks like you have a bunch of sores on your face now. (laughs) Like like in the illustrations, you're like, ooh, what Interesting. It's so funny, too. You mentioned powder, and you're so right, because they would powder their hair. Oh, everything. So they wanted, like, white hair, white skin, and then really dark patches, really red lips. Yeah. What a what a look. Remember when we did Murasaki Shikibu, and it, we were talking about, like, feudal oh, yeah. Japan. It was really, it was considered very beautiful and elegant to have black, black teeth. Black teeth. It's just stuff like that where I'm like, man, that is beauty standards. Okay, Uh just think of that every time you see a beauty standard of today. Just remember. (laughs) In 150 years, they're going to be saying, "Ugh, they used to shower like every day. What was wrong with them? We need your natural musk. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to (laughs) smell. So when Julie was like 14 or 15 years old, sometime around there, she became Count Darmagnac's mistress. Right. And remember, this is Gaston, her father's boss. That's right. The king's horse master. He was like, 
Gosh, it disturbs me to see you, Gaston. I'd rather be dating your kid. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, oh my God, what? What if we got a mail call? <laughs> awesome. It's oh, a it's cease, a cease and, and desist. <laughs> right. Not the first time. <laughs> well, Count Darmagnac, her dad's boss, he was apparently very handsome and agreeable. So Gaston may have promoted this connection, mm -hmm. but he might have hated it and just not been able to do a thing about it because the guy was his boss. Right. He's like, sorry, bro. I'm going to be fucking your kid. Uh, <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Uh, Gaston, I'd like you to uh, please clean up after the horses over here. Uh, duel that guy for me. And then also uh, I'm picking your daughter up at seven. <laughs> Now, some accounts say that Gaston wanted Julie to learn to use a sword so she could protect herself on the Paris streets. And then with his own sword skills, he would chase off a lot of would-be suitors for his daughter. Right. He was like these dads who were like, got a big gun. Oh, yeah. And like, ask my daughter to prom or whatever. Yeah, like, right. It sounds like one of those. <laughs> so it's possible that Julie just picked the one guy that her dad couldn't say no to, uh -huh. you know? And she instigated the affair herself, possibly. She's like, I'm ready to get my rocks off. Right? <laughs> that no one is sure about the truth here. Now, possibly a little before or shortly after the affair began, her father Gaston passed away. And the Count d'Armagnac also became Julie's legal guardian. Mm. Now, at some mm -hmm. point here, the Count found someone else to marry Julie. He's like, well, I'm your father boyfriend now so <laughs> i should find you someone to marry and he found this guy sieur jean maupin and he was just kind of meek and retiring mm -hmm. sort of man very accepting of whatever you gave him it uh, sounds like you admit to marry this girl okay sir whatever you say if you insist now some people say that the count was finding it hard to keep up with julie and that's why he married her off to this guy but maybe he just wanted a respectable cover for their affair mm. because Immediately after the wedding, some people say the very next morning, Count d'Armagnac ordered Sieur Mopin to head off to a remote province to become a tax collector <laughs> while the Count kept Julie in Versailles. He was like, Jean Mopin, uh, have I got a job for you. <laughs> yeah. It is boring and it is going to be hella rural and also I'm keeping your wife. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it's your wedding gift. So long. Bon voyage. <laughs> <laughs> but then Julie got bored. And she started hooking up with a young fencing instructor named Serran. Mm. Now, this guy was forever trying to prove his fighting skills. He's constantly getting into fights and duels and scrapes and messing around with people. And eventually, according to the Los Angeles Public Library, Serran killed his man in a duel. And he was being pursued by one of the most powerful men in Paris, Nicolas Gabriel de la Renie who is often regarded as the father of modern policing. Oh. So he's like the lieutenant general of the police force. Huh. And biographer Jim Burroughs writes on his blog that, quote, in fact, he was more. The police in his day were responsible for all facets of city life, from regulating the price of food in the markets to lighting and cleaning the streets, as well as investigating and preventing crime. Rainy was a strict enforcer of the anti-dueling laws and the regulation of weapons. Mm. So that, that's kind of crazy to me that the police were like, all right, got to go light all the street lamps as well. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're on <laughs> patrol, you may as well. <laughs> yeah. while, you're uh, while you're patrolling the streets, can you all just sweep up a little if you <laughs> see some trash? <laughs> you can't have that much to do. I will say the first time I went to Paris... Uh, I was the first time I went to Paris. Ooh, Excuse somebody. me. I need four a dozen eggs <laughs> over here. <laughs> um, but I was just so amazed at how clean it was. And oh, I yeah. did seriously, it was like Disney World. Like I'd just be walking on the street and there'd be a cigarette butt on the ground and someone would just appear out of a shadow in the in an alley somewhere with a broom and sweep it up and then vanish into the into oh, the wow. night again. And I was like, where did you come? It's not even nighttime. It's day. And yet you disappeared <laughs> into the moonlight somehow. It was amazing. The street sweep of France all live in the catacombs yeah. under the streets until <laughs> one piece of litter <laughs> calls them forth. So Serran, you know, was on the wrong side of this guy, this father of modern policing. He had to flee from Paris to get out of this guy's jurisdiction. And he wanted Julie to come with him. So he convinced her that he had a bunch of property in Marseille. So he's like, let's make way for the coast. Okay. And she's like, all right, what else am I doing? And <laughs> she goes with him. To support themselves, they started giving fencing demonstrations in taverns and inns where they stayed. Cool. 
Now, again, Julie is dressing in men's clothes for the most part, um, partly for ease of travel, partly for practicality. Again, they're doing fencing demonstrations. So uh-huh. She wants freedom of movement. Um, but even so, they advertised her as a woman to get more butts and seats. Hell they yeah. Like, look at this lady. How crazy she can use a sword. What? <laughs> Come see the amazing oddities. <laughs> it's like a circus. Exactly. <laughs> a woman with a physical skill. <laughs> oh, no. Well, one night they're doing their thing. They're fencing demonstration in a tavern, whatever. Uh-huh. This guy's probably drunk as hell. And he starts heckling them. He's calling out from the crowd. He's like, sorry, bro. You're just too good with that old sword. There's no way you're a lady. You're probably some guy's young squire trying to pretend. Wow. Nice try, but you can't get one over on me. You can always tell. Or whatever. <laughs> oh, no. So Julie's like, okay, and rips off her shirt what? and gives him an eye full of her credentials. <laughs> She's probably just like a kitty in Arrested Development. She's like, take a good luck because this is the last time. Last time you're ever going to see these. <laughs> and of course, they didn't have a thing to say after that uh-huh. <laughs> because she has some nice titties, oh, I guess. And Jim Burroughs writes, quote, it is said that the receipts that evening were particularly good. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. She pulls her shirt off and everyone in the tavern's like, another round. (laughs) (laughs) We partying over here. I bet tickets for the next show were high sellers too. It's like, I heard you might see boobs in this show. I hope that didn't encourage more people to be like, oh yeah, you're a woman, prove it. I know. She's like, all right, I'm not doing that again. (laughs) You got to pay for these. Right. (laughs) Yes. There you go. That's a good. If you need to see some boobs, just go tell a lady. (laughs) If you're a woman, why don't you show me your boobs? Oh, my God. Please don't do that. (laughs) Never do that. (laughs) It's a different time. (laughs) (laughs) But when they finally reached Marseille, Saran, her dueling instructor and show partner, Mm -hmm. had to admit to her, oh, so Bazaway. I remember how I said I had all this property down here. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't so much have any property down here, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Or anywhere. (laughs) Funny story. I do not own any land. Big lie. Yeah. So Julie, being just the coolest person in every way, Mm -hmm. totally forgave him. She's like, I understand. I would have told myself a lie to get me to go with me, too. So (laughs) (laughs) I am very hot. But this did mean they needed money. Yeah. So they kept up their sword shows, but they added something a little extra special. Mm-hmm. Both Julie and Saran had good voices, so they decided to include singing in their act. And then Julie got this show bug in her head. She, mm-hmm. the, the acting bug bit her, and she started thinking, maybe I could be an opera singer. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though, of course, she didn't have any formal music training. She just had some natural talent. That's right. Now, opera was only a century old at the time. And Is that all? The French opera was even younger. So that wasn't as much of a barrier, her lack of training, as like it would be today, for example. Right. I feel like today you have to have a doctorate in singing <laughs> right. to be an opera singer <laughs> or something. Real. But yeah, back then they were still trying to establish like the, the, the French style of yeah. opera. It was very much like... Italian and German operas were uh-huh. big, but like they wanted like a French style. So they were yeah. still trying to figure that out. And they were like, whatever, get over here. If you can sing, get over here. <laughs> <laughs> so she had this great voice. Obviously, she had stage presence yep. and she had a great memory, too. And that got her a gig with the Marseille Opera billed as Mademoiselle d'Aubigny. And one person in the audience was particularly struck by this lovely chestnut haired singer. But... It was extremely scandalous because this person was a local merchant's daughter. <gasps> what? A woman loves a woman. Impossible. In France. <laughs> C'est incroyable. <laughs> Hang on, we mentioned Marseille. So mm-hmm. before we go to commercial honeymoon alert. Honeymoon alert. We just got to talk about Marseille because we get to stop here for a couple days and this city is Gorgeous. Oh, I mean, it, it really just is. stunning. If you ever get a chance to go to the south of France, go. But mm-hmm. here's what you don't do <laughs> go on October <laughs> don't 1st. <laughs> roll in on Saturday, October 1st, late at night, hungry, uh-huh. starving, and with a bunch of plans to take a tour bus down to the coast because right. a couple things happened to us. 
One, <laughs> the tour we had planned on stopped for the season on October 1st. So that was out. Yeah. Two, we stayed at this beautiful apartment in this amazing part of town. It was like an Airbnb. Yeah, Our host was a, people. a filmmaker mm-hmm. and his wife was this Egyptian woman who was mm-hmm. like super cool. And I think that she was an artist. Mm-hmm. It was all this all this street art all over town. Yeah. It was so cool. Very cool area. And where we get in there pretty late at night and we're starving and we go walking for food and it's expensive, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of these places were like 34 euro a plate. And we're like, wow, that's $60 food. Like, mm-hmm. that's a lot. We just got here. <laughs> we can't spend just all our money at Marseille. We got two more weeks. Oh, my God. So this amazing, we get to this guy and it's like a street vendor yeah. that does crepes mm-hmm. on a cart out in the street. And we're like, oh, my God, we're in France. Mm-hmm. This big, I mean, he looked like a cartoon French chef. I oh, mean, yeah. the big hat, the mustache. Uh, everything and he's so jolly and friendly he's like I will make you something delicious come over here oh and he gave us this like mint tea this oh little glass of like delicious refreshing warm like it's it was like just exactly sweet yeah. it was exactly what we needed after like the train ride yeah. and everything I was just like oh this is gonna be so and we were like sitting on the sidewalk uh-huh. the sounds of Marseille all around oh, the amazing. bustle of you know the street and I was just like this is gonna be the best meal of my fucking life and he starts pouring out the crepe batter on to his pan and he's making it and Diana you know Diana gets one with chicken in it and Mm -hmm. I'm vegetarian I tell him that he's oh yeah sure of course I make you something and he's got the chicken in there and then he puts some cheese on top and then he then he cracks a couple of raw eggs inside and sort of like kind of half scrambles those around Mm -hmm. and then he makes mine with same thing without the chicken Mm -hmm. hands it to us I'm like this is very interesting I never would have thought to do this and when I tell you and we've, I'm, I tried to, I've, tr- I've tried to <laughs> state what a beautiful time oh. and what a friendly person and what a lovely area yes. we were in. And when I tell you this is the grossest food I have ever put in my <laughs> mouth in my life, I'm not exaggerating. We both took like a giant bite. Um, it was like immediately we looked at each other. We were like, I've made a huge mistake. Oh my God. It's like the <laughs> crepe was sweet, but then it had this like, still kind of raw scrambled egg in it. Oh, God. And the cheese was really sharp. And it just didn't... Did not work. For me, I don't know, maybe it's a delicacy in Marseille. Maybe. But for me, I was not... Well, it was not good. We were so hungry. And it I was couldn't sad. eat it. And I was just like, oh, we we ate so much. We just had to try something. Thank you so much. And he was so nice. Yay. And we just like... I th- Maybe we took it with us just to be I polite or something. And... Oh, my God. And then the next day was Sunday. And in Marseille on a Sunday, we went to our host, our Airbnb host. We said, where could we go get like a delicious French pastry breakfast, something like that? And he looks me dead in the eyes and says, oh, it is Sunday. Everything is closed. And he was not lying. He was not lying. There was not. We walked one place open. I oh think we God. got to a grocery store that was open. We a little market. We got like a baguette and some Brie cheese and a tomato, and that was like all we could get. <laughs> so we're walking through Marseille, and it's a ghost town, a beautiful ghost town. I know. I was like, I'm jealous of this. Oh my God. Like if I lived here, I would love it because yeah. we went to a park and like everyone's there with their oh family God. playing football or yeah. you know hanging out and like enjoying their city and their lives right. and their hours of their lives. Like nobody working. was at work. <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic, except for me right now. I am so hungry. I kept freaking out. I will say we stalked this Mediterranean cafe that was like opening at 5 p.m. I mean, seriously, it's like 5 p.m. And it's like 4.55. And we're like, I don't want to stand here and stare at him as he's clearly opening his story. Let's just pace back and forth across the block. At 5.01, we walked in. We're like, give us everything. We got all these to-go containers and we took it to the park. And that was was some of the best food I've ever had. So. And we also went to their funny zoo, which was a, a used to be an actual zoo. Yeah. But the animals were like not well treated, I guess. So they closed it. And instead, they put a bunch of statues of animals yeah. in all the old cages. So it was kind of a really cool. But like, like with colorful paint yeah, on colorful, them and stuff. Yeah, colorful, like a pink giraffe yeah. next to a blue lion or yeah. whatever. And so it was just a really cool, like art kind of park yep. and it was really nice it was just like we did not plan properly for right. say we were not ready and we were this. only there for the one day so it's that's true. all we got but <laughs> we'll go back hopefully one day so 
Julie did better than us. She's Julie like, let me go get a job at this opera. And they'll <laughs> so feed me. So we should have just become opera singers. <laughs> and they'll feed me. <laughs> they'll give me stuff for dinner, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go get something for dinner. We're going to make some crepes. And uh, we'll be right back after this commercial break. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. All right, welcome back to the show. So, yeah, there was, you know, Julie singing in the opera and there's someone in the audience who's just totally stricken with her. Yeah. And it's another woman. Oh, my God. Scandal. Scandal. Now, several sources said this person's name is lost to history and we'll never know who this girl was. 
Um, but Encyclopedia.com says that it may be Cecilia Bortigali. So we will go with that. OK. Um, and Julie was equally taken with Cecilia. Sure. Now, either she was just discovering her bisexuality or some sources say she was just like, I'm done with men. Seron is boring me. I'm <laughs> done with men for life. I want to try something new. <laughs> some people said she just thought Cecilia's blonde hair would look striking next to her darker hair. Wow. <laughs> She's like all about aesthetics. <laughs> what a picture we would make. Oh, walking arm in arm down the street. Contrast. <laughs> Beautiful. Um. Others say she just fell madly in love with her. You sure. know, she was just fully 100% in. And I kind of, that's where I'm leaning because okay. Julie just loved love. She yeah. fell in love a lot. Yeah. Um. So they started hanging out publicly enough that people started to talk. Oh. And nobody likes that. The merchant was like, oh, no, 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 not no daughter of mine. <laughs> and he quickly sent his daughter off to a convent in Avignon oh, damn. for a life of chastity. He's like, if you can't marry a man, you can't marry nobody. <laughs> but that did not stop Julie at all. She simply followed the girl and also joined the convent as a postulate, which is sort of like when you tour a college campus to see if you want to go there. Wow. So she's like a lay sister. They're like, here's a few duties. You see if you want to join join the convent or not. So Cecilia shows up one day, oh, I've been sent here to, to become a nun myself and I'll learn here. Me. And Julie comes sneaking in like the next morning. <laughs> oh, you know, I just have a bug in my ear that I might want to join a convent, but let me try it out a little <laughs> first. I love God and so here you I know, am. You know, I'd love to get a feel for what it's like to be a nun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd love to know what it feels like, like to be a nun. <laughs> what a nun feels like. That's what I want to know is what I'm saying here. <laughs> so th likely these two are kind of hooking up, you know what I'm uh -huh. saying, On the, in the convent somewhere in the cloisters. They're finding oh. a dark area to make out or something. Cloister is such a sexy word in a weird kind of way, you know. Weird, like... sexy word. <laughs> <laughs> well, one night, one of the nuns passed away, oh. and these ladies saw their chance. So Julie dug up the corpse, what? smuggled it inside, uh, and placed it on Cecilia's bed. Excuse me? And then me? she set the bed on fire. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she and her girlfriend escaped. Boom! The nuns would think Cecilia died in the fire. No one would come after them. It was the perfect crime. What? <laughs> so you're telling me? <laughs> she's like, oh no, Cecilia's bed just burst into flames no, on its own. Who knew? I guess she had a reading light too close. She fell asleep with a cigarette in her mouth. Oh, uh, classic. Bad habit, you know? Classic French. <laughs> I know, a lot of French girls smoking cigarettes in the 17th in century. In their straw beds in their <laughs> convent. Yeah, I don't think that's... They, they probably, like, a candle fell, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, you never know. It's, candles are dangerous. Gotta Very be careful true. with that. Very true. I always said Cecilia's got to be more careful with her candles. Mm -hmm. That's wild. I love they it. They dug up a corpse. A nun died, and these two <laughs> girls thought, oh, here's my chance. <laughs> I know what, what to do now. We've got to act fast. Mm -hmm. Some people say it was a young nun, but other sources say it was elderly. And I just uh -huh. love the idea of her being like, let me get this old lady up these stairs. <laughs> just such Either a desecration way. at a, at oh a convent. God, right. Not uh, not very religious of them. Not, not at not, all. Not very Christian. They're <laughs> disturbing bodies right and left. <laughs> they, they, they dug up a body of a nun uh -huh. and then set part of a convent on fire. <laughs> They're not <laughs> to cover up a lesbian to affair. cover up a lesbian affair. I mean, you could not get further from oh my a God. <laughs> Incredible. But guess what? Mm. CSI got there. No, they figured something out. There must have been some some grave dirt on the stairs or maybe <laughs> they, you know, maybe they put the fire out too fast and they saw the body and were like, well, this is clearly the woman who just died. I know, this is Sister <laughs> no. Mary Catherine. Right? I don't know <laughs> what she's doing here. Cecilia's five foot five. This woman was six two. <laughs> our tallest nun. Our tallest nun. Oh, that, she, that sadly, does add a layer. Tragically, that's how she died. She just banged her head one too many times <laughs> on the low ceilings. <laughs> At any rate, the convent figured out what had really gone down pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And so while Julie and Cecilia were on the run, Julie was found guilty in absentia by the Parliament of Provence for body snatching, arson, and kidnapping. 
<laughs> they were like, surely Cecilia didn't go of her own accord. Oh, yeah. She must have kidnapped her. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, the sentence was death by fire. Real but, eye for an eye stuff. Yeah, right? <laughs> I guess. But they sentenced Monsieur Dabonny. Oh. Because they just couldn't believe that a woman would do this kind of thing. Never. Or possibly they were just trying to save Cecilia's family the embarrassment of having it known that their daughter liked the ladies. Oh, okay. Right? It's like a tactful, like, mm-hmm. cover-up. They're like, a woman did what? They're like, no, 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 no. Uh, a man did it, actually. Yeah, he well, loved yeah. your daughter so much. They loved you. They ran off together. Sure. This guy is definitely a man with a penis. And uh-huh. he is just not right for Cecilia. That's uh-huh. the main thing. So that's that's the one thing that's wrong with him. Is that he's totally a dude. He's just not right for Cecilia. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, because he sets dead nuns on fire. Like, <laughs> it's not exactly anybody's top choice true. for their daughter's lover. I guess that's true. <laughs> now, Julie and Cecilia were on the run together for three months. According to rejectedprincesses.com, Julie got bored and sent Cecilia home to her family. <laughs> Julie's not not exactly uh, known for her commitments. True. <laughs> you She's know? like, You're, I'm done with you. Go home. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm finished. Now, on the other hand, encyclopedia.com says that Cecilia went home after Julie had a fling with a musketeer. <gasps> You know, mm. which which one of the three musketeers? Ooh. D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. Probably, yeah, right? Probably obviously. D'Artagnan. Obviously. Or Oliver Platt, maybe. <laughs> I was about he's to say, a delight. Like, he was a charmer. He was a <laughs> I don't charmer. remember which one he was, but for he all was... you Disney Three Musketeers fans out there, all six of you. Listen, uh, classic film. It's a classic film. <laughs> it's such a weird movie. It's so weird. Who was like, yeah, give me Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Platt, and uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell. Oliver Platt, and I, I immediately went to Jeremy Irons, but that's uh, it is that's, Jeremy Irons. But it, no, isn't that man in the Iron Mask? Oh yeah, yeah. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Duh. I looked up Three Musketeers Disney, and it said Three Musketeers Disney, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, the Three Musketeers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also a classic. <laughs> a bit of a different film. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Julietta fling with a, a diff, a, the fifth musketeer. <laughs> Possibly <laughs> Cecilia went home after that. No, but Kelly Gardner, who researched Julie for five years to write her novel Goddess, says that just eventually their luck ran out, mm-hmm. Julie and Cecilia, and the law descended on them. And Cecilia was captured and Julie fought off all kinds of guys who came after them and killed one in order to escape. Damn, girl. So very exciting in Mm -hmm. Kelly's version of this story. I like it. (laughs) But whatever happened, the two of them parted ways and Julie was on her own again. But Julie had no problem with that. You know, she's all right. She lived that van life. (laughs) (laughs) She's like hopping around France, Uh being a nomad. Mm -hmm. She's still dressed in men's clothes. She would sing for her supper like she and Saron had done. And in the south of France, she met a man named Maréchal, who was a comedy actor and singer. And he, like, instantly recognized that Julie had a talent that could not be wasted. Mm. He's like, probably in the tavern watching her do her thing. And he's like, I can't. You just want to look at her. You know, that's yeah. star power. You can't teach that. Right. You need to do something with yourself. And he offered to teach her. So she accepted. Encyclopedia.com calls him, quote, a stern competent teacher who insisted she make the Paris opera her goal. Oh, okay. And Julie was impressed with his skill as a comedian and a musician. She wrote, quote, what he taught me was a true revelation. Mm. But unfortunately, Maréchal was also a terrible alcoholic. I mean, she oh. met him at a bar, Yeah, after all. Oh, yeah. If you meet <laughs> someone at a bar, hands down, they're an alcoholic. <laughs> They're definitely drinking too much. No, I, you know, he probably was just there every night. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. And yeah, after a few months, it kind of started to get in the way of his teaching. Mm -hmm. I think he was pretty far along in his alcoholic journey by the time he crossed paths because Jim Burroughs writes that he, quote, began to fall into incoherence. Oh, no. Yeesh. So he sent her away. He told her, go to Paris, get a job in the theater. If you apply yourself, fame and fortune will be yours. 
And so Julie had gotten some of the training that she would need if she ever got an audition with the Paris Opera. Okay. Um, you know, once she figured out how to get rid of this pesky death sentence by oh, yeah. fire that she's got hanging over her right. head. Right. Because all. she set that dead nun on fire. Because of that yeah. dead nun. Sure. She's sure. like, let me go to. Oh, wait. I had set that dead nun on fire. Well, well, well. If it isn't the consequences <laughs> of my actions, <laughs> <laughs> can't duel those. <laughs> So anyway, she's like, well, we'll figure that out on the way. And she started <laughs> to make her way back to Paris. Of course she did. <laughs> and we will find out what happens then, right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing. Right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always gonna have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to Ridiculous Romance, everyone. So Julia's out here on her way to Paris. She's singing in taverns. She's dressed as a man. She's paying her way. Mm -hmm. And one night, she got heckled by another drunk in the audience. Mm -hmm. And he called out, quote, Tell me, oh pretty bird, I've listened to your chirping, but now tell me of your plumage. Uh, wow. Oh. I guess this guy heard about the last time she got heckled and he was like, I'm going to see some boobs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see that plumage. Wow. Now, Rejected Princesses says that this was basically a way to ask if the carpet matched the drapes, you know? <laughs> gross, dude. Very gross. Well, this time she did not rip off her shirt. She's like, I'm not starting this trend. Okay. Uh, instead, she drew her sword. Damn. Now, instantly, this heckler and two of his friends stood up. They rose to the challenge. We'll take you. And they all went out to the courtyard. And out here, they started a duel. And Julie either fought them either in succession, one at a time, or possibly took on all three at once. Mm. Cling, clang, they're fighting. Yeah. She's dodging. She's parry, thrust, mm -hmm. parry, sweep, stab. <laughs> I don't know. Moonlight what the... catching the blades. Parry and thrust are the only two words I know. <laughs> no. There's probably some others uh, fencing terms in there. Touche. Yes. On guard. Oh, I am not left-handed. Oh, <laughs> I'm not left-handed either. And it's so exciting. Amazing. Amazing. Magic's picture it. Mm -hmm. Incredible fights. I'll draw your cork, sir. But in the end, their skill was no match for Julie's, and she ran the heckler clean through his shoulder. Ouch! He was able to twist his head and look and see the blade sticking out the back, ah! red with his blood. Ah, that's so gross. Oh, I've been yeah. skewered. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's not so bad, is it? And then he looks back. Uh-oh, I was wrong. <laughs> Tis but a scratch. <laughs> so the duel ends. But the next day, Julie just felt kind of bad about yeah. it. She was like, I clearly was better than those guys. I took advantage of their idiocy, their drunkenness. Wasn't very gentlemanly of you. Yeah. So she went down to the local surgeon to check on the guy. She's like, hey, that, that guy who came in last night with a sword through his shoulder, <laughs> how's he doing? Everything okay? Yeah, right. And the surgeon said he's fine. He's going to recover. And the heckler's name was Louis-Joseph d'Albert de Loins. And he was the darling son of a duke. Oops. <laughs> so that night, Dalbert's friends called on Julie and said, Dalbert wanted to apologize for insulting her when he was drunk. Aw, he, yeah. he woke up and was like, man, that was real stupid. Yeah. I told her to take her shirt off. Of course she threw her sword. <laughs> yeah. I got to stop shooting my mouth off. I'm gonna, <laughs> somebody's going to shoot my mouth off. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, three bottles, not four. Uh-huh. It's all about moderation, Dalbert. <laughs> now, Julie said that she would come see him herself. Speculation station. Uh -huh. I'm thinking like once she learned who he was. Right. She was like, oh, the son of a duke. This guy could be a good friend for me to have. Oh, I could use some friends in high places. I mean, yeah, she's, yeah. Got, this, she's got some problems with the law. Uh-huh. And we know noble people not always have to follow the law. So <laughs> she's like, hmm, maybe this guy can be helpful to me. Uh-huh. So she's like, I'll... I'll get pretty. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll try to, you know, let me use all my charms sure. at my disposal. Yeah. Show him some of that plumage <laughs> that oh he was my. talking about. <laughs> so that night, dressed as her womanly self, she called on Dalbert in his room. And boy, did she call on him. Oh. She called on him a couple of times, I think. <laughs> hey, yo. Because the two of them began a passionate love affair. Mm. Yeah. He was like, you stabbed me with your sword. Now maybe, uh, and she was like, I don't need that metaphor. I, it's thank good, you, thank you. How about you just, shush, 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 shush. Please introduce me to your father later. <laughs> no sword and sheath jokes here, please. Thank you. But unfortunately, their little love affair was cut short when Dalbert recovered and he was called back to join his regiment in Germany. But... Mm -hmm. their relationship would continue. It was basically a lifelong love affair. Even though they would both have many lovers, anytime they were in the same place at the same time, they would get it on. Ooh. She's like, I miss that Dalbert D. <laughs> You're in town, I'm in town. Yeah, sure, we both got partners, but fuck them. <laughs> By not fucking them, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> 
But then in Rouen, Julie picked up a new man. Of course she, she did. You know, that's Julie's way. Oh, yeah. She likes to have a companion. Yep. And this guy's name is Gabriel Vincent Tevenard, who was the son of a caterer, and he had left his dad's business behind to pursue his dream to be a singer. Oh, my God. How many singers out there abandoned their father's catering business? <laughs> I think I know several people who did that. Right. Exact except thing. it didn't belong to their father. They just well, yeah, either abandoned way, yeah. their serving job. <laughs> <laughs> But I love it. And he, he did have a great voice. He was already on his way to Paris to try out for the Paris Opera. Uh-huh. So they had very similar goals. Okay. And, you know, we already know about Julie's many prodigious charms. Sure. So he was like, hello. <laughs> 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 Who is this? Bonjour, madame. <laughs> and so these two were like drawn together like flies to honey. And they sang together in the provinces to make money. But again, the goal is Paris. And Julie is like, I gotta figure out what to do about this old warrant and execution problem that I still <laughs> yeah. got. I wonder if he's like, come to Paris with me. And she's like, yeah, about that. See, they want to set me on fire. <laughs> so I gotta figure that out uh-huh. first. Um, and eventually she thought she hit on just the guy to fix this for her. Oh, yeah. Her very first lover, Count Darmagnac. She's oh, like, the count is the king's master of horse. He can whisper in his ear. Her old, her dad's boss. Her dad's boss. Yeah. Her her lover. Her yeah. guardian. Right. Her her dad boyfriend or whatever <laughs> you said. So she snuck onto his country estates in Marais in disguise. She's like, knock, knock, knock. They're like, who's this guy? And she's like, surprise! <laughs> it is me, your teenage lover. <laughs> and she's like, hey, can you help me out with this? teeny little problem I have where the king wants me dead. Mm-hmm. And the count agreed to help her. He went to King Louis to plead for her. And apparently the king had been secretly amused by her little <laughs> convent exploit, which I love. <laughs> uh, to be honest, that would have done the same thing. <laughs> Who amongst us is not going to set a convent on fire? <laughs> Who amongst us hasn't burned a nun corpse to run off with our lover? So he gave her a Full pardon wow, and annulled Louis. the warrant against her. I love Louis the Fourteenth. He's I know. <laughs> so wacky. He was like, as long as you're vibing with me, everything you do is cool. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, Tevinard went to audition for the Paris Opera, and he was immediately accepted. Okay, again, great voice. He was he he had the goods. Yeah. But then he was like, hey, listen, uh, can my girlfriend come too? Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) And they were like, that's not how it works. Um, (laughs) They were apparently very reluctant, but they gave Julie an audition as well. Maybe because she also used some of these other powerful friends at her disposal. Oh, sure. They had a few people being like, Julie Daubigny, Julie Daubigny. Fine, fine. I'll listen to her sing. I mean, wasn't the Paris Opera probably like the woman who just got a pardon from the king? I know, right? That's pretty cool. I mean, okay. That's Uh, that's true, too, is because she already was a little notorious. So they might have just been like, you know what? I don't care if she can sing Uh because she will sell a ticket. Yeah. Just because people want to see this lady who set the Uh nun on fire. (laughs) But she was free from this death sentence now. She was free to appear for this audition. And she got herself a gig in one of the best musical companies in the world at only 20 years old. Wow. So if you're above 20, it's too late. Wait a (laughs) minute. You're telling me all this happened before she was 20? This girl fit it, packed it in. Man. Like, I had barely left the house by the time I was 20. She's running Seriously. all over France. and By the time she's 18, she's already set a nun on fire. Oh she's, like, God. on the run with her lover. And... I'm 37. I haven't set any nuns on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope to continue that, <laughs> trend. that trend. That's a good trend, babe. It's a regular goal of mine we don't have to any... not set any fires at convents. We don't have any powerful friends to get the king to pardon you. No, we don't. But I'll say that's not the reason that I'm not going to oh. set any fires at convents. Oh, what are you, a good person? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like you don't even have to be a particularly good person to not set a fire at a convent on a dead nun's corpse. That's true. You just have to be a real daring, ardent, <laughs> yeah. impetuous gal. So yeah, Julie got herself a gig at the Paris Opera alongside her current boyfriend, Tevenard. Uh-huh. And she was about to become the famous opera singer, La Maupin, which is the other name she's best known as. Okay. Um, So she's got a whole career ahead of her and Uh many, many more exploits uh, with men and women alike. Yes. Uh, 
ahead and we had to save that for part two. Yeah, stay tuned for the rest mm -hmm. of Julie's life, La Maupin, because just, just like we said, equally wild and action-packed oh, yeah. and adventurous. She kept it, shocking, kept it moving. Shocking yeah, stuff. I'm so excited. Always fighting, always falling in love. Yeah. Always making out. Yes. Thank you, Andrea, for sending this, yes. this story. Because, like, what it's so is happening? Fun. It's so fun. This is one of those stories where I'm like, this is why we do this show, right? Oh, like, totally. Oh, man. There's so much ridiculous about it, too. It's just so many things that I, I think particularly I love that the Sun King is just like, that was pretty funny, though. Pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. All right, girl. You party. all right. <laughs> Don't do it again. But you know what I'm saying? That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, people don't, I don't think people live lives like this anymore. How can you? You can't. You, you can't. Because think about, I mean, this is how you, this is, this is an era where like, especially if you're comfortable, you know, and you're not living in the dirt. Right, 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 right. You've got some skill. Mm -hmm. You've had an, an education. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you're pretty. Mm. What do you, you've got time, you yeah. know? You've got so much time. And how do you fill it besides like just making a game out of everything and just having fun and just doing what you want and dealing with the consequences later? Like, right. there's something, <laughs> obviously, very few of us can live like that. But mm -hmm. man, what a dream. Yeah, and there, there's something funny about the dueling period of history. Yeah. It was just like, you brushed up against me. I challenge you, sir. I would like you to answer for that insult. Right. And you literally would draw, would cross swords over it. Yeah. Now, in a way, so it's like a Wild Westy, or even now, where people are like, I'm going to pull a gun on you. Yeah. Um, but, but at least then, you know, you could just like pink him in the arm, you know, which is yeah. when you just kind of got him, got him in the shoulder you made your point, but nobody's dead. It was about getting someone to yield. Yeah, it was like first blood, you're done. Yeah. You know, you don't need to. Yeah, or you just knock them down, mm -hmm. you know. Or I think in Hamilton, they talked about this where they they would often shoot into the air. Oh, so they'd yeah, be like, yeah. I know that I did something wrong. You were right to call me out here and say I insulted your wife or you or did something wrong, but I'm not going to kill you for it. Right. I'm just going to shoot in the air. I deloped is what it's called. Oh. I deloped. Deloped. Yeah. But anyway, so I just, I just think it's so funny. They were like, the only way to solve this problem is with steel, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that is kind of exciting. And then and that and that people accepted that as a resolution. Right. Too. They're like, mm -hmm. damn, I was beat. Right. I guess he was right. You know, he's dead I, now. I don't know if there's or even if they even if he's not, even mm -hmm. if it's not a duel of the death, it's still just like I accept defeat. Right. I was in the wrong mm -hmm. because the duel decided that not like a moral philosophical conversation no. about right and wrong, but just mm -hmm. like I, I think there might. I wonder if there's a religious aspect to that. I know in some oh. duels it's been like, you know, it, especially religious duels. If I won, it's God's, God's will, will, and God yeah. is saying that I was right. He protected me, yeah. And stuff that—that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Probably not in Julie's case. She seemed pretty secular. I think she <laughs> probably did not care about. It was that. right around the time that she. What was it when she dug up the dead nun? That made me think. But I was like, I don't think she's a religious person. Mm, probably yeah. not. Yeah. But yeah, I just uh, she's such a. It, she's so. 17th century France, you know, like she really yeah. embodies the time because yeah. it was just like, what can you get away with? Uh -huh. I will love whoever I want. Yes. It's about the vibes and the aesthetics. Mm. I, you know, like <laughs> that's that is 17th century France to me. Yep. It's just the king was like, you're vibing. You, your aesthetics are great. Yeah. It's really like I'm into your whole thing. Yeah. So I'm just going to let it go. Also, like, yeah, uh, I can sing. Uh -huh. uh, I can get pretty. Uh -huh. I can get dirty. Uh -huh. I can kick your ass. Uh -huh. uh, I can charm the hell out of you. Uh -huh. I can do all these things. Like that is that is uniquely French. I love to, to do me. it. <laughs> right? I love doing it. <laughs> I love it. What an exciting story! Oh yeah, I can't wait for part I mean, two. We're, again, I mean. We've got several more years of her life left, and she packed it in. There's yeah, so much to come. Right. And we've got to go pack it in ourselves because, again, we're, we're crossing the country. We're right. having an adventure of our own. Uh, and, and do keep up with us on social media because we're going to try and keep you all up to date on we're, what we're getting into. Yeah. Should be fun stuff. Our own little ridiculous romance Yay. out there in, in the West. I'm excited. Yeah. So shoot us an email and let us know what you thought of this episode or right. if you've got any other suggestions like Andrea did mm -hmm. here. These set us on some really fun 
uh, uh, chases learning these stories. So send them our way. Ridickromance at gmail.com. Yeah, or on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at DianamiteBoom. And I'm at Oh Great, It's Eli. And the show is at Romance. That's right. So follow along. Again, uh, we'll be traveling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Take a look at what we're up to. And uh, go go ahead and drop us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get time for that. We love those. And we'll catch you all with part two. Yeah, thanks so much for spending time with us. We love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.